Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast 2021. We are back. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugba, and we're ready for a great uh, season and summer ahead in uh, Scandinavia. So, uh, how are you doing, mate? Hi, Stephen. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast 2021. Uh, we had a nice little break, and uh, I'm delighted to be joining you again. We've had a, you know two months off, is it? I think the last time I spoke to you, we were cracking on Christmas crackers and 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 talking about our favourite chocolates and favourite foods and all that kind of stuff. So uh, now it's the the, the the cracking of spring is coming along, isn't it? And win- winter is is here, and gradually, you know, next thing you know, it'll be will be in March. So um. Things are gradually sort of resuming, aren't they, in, in Scandinavia? And it's a pleasure to be with you for another season. Yeah, I'm delighted to be back. And I'm, I'm really hoping that I think we can get a really good, consistent run of episodes together this year. It's one of uh, our objectives to be more regular, consistent um, and more great content for you listeners um, to enjoy. So I'm looking forward to this season ahead with you, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, I hope you wintered well so far and recharged your batteries. I'm raring to go myself. Um and, you know, say looking forward to the summer ahead. Yeah, and this is season five of the Nordic Football Podcast. So uh, certainly, you know, nobody can accuse us of being a fair weather, fair weather podcasters, can they? We, we, we've been in it for, for a long haul now and definitely looking to the excitement ahead in season five. And of course, uh, the main reason for this episode, and the main reason for us coming back is because there's a, an exciting tie coming up this week, isn't there, Steve? And that's where we're going to start this podcast this week. A juicy game. Yeah, the the meat the main meat of this episode, if you excuse the pun, um, is going to be Mulder against Hoffenheim Europa League preview. We've got a guest, Archie Ryan Tut, a Bundesliga expert, to talk about Hoffenheim. Um, we also, after that, we're going to be talking about a bit of off-season moves in Norway, Sweden, a um, couple of other things, maybe certain player moves. I think there's one in particular that you're very excited about that's moved to Sweden from Norway. And maybe at the end, if we've got a bit of time, we'll talk a bit about Swoman Cup in Finland, our favourite cup competition, as we know, Jonathan. So, yeah, looking forward to this episode ahead. And, and, and yeah, Mulder versus uh, Hoffenheim in, in Europa League. And are you are you uh, pleased to see the return of European competition this week? Yeah, it feels like it doesn't feel so long ago that we were watching the Champions League final, does it? And strange to think that was August now and we're in February. So, you know, the time, you know, lockdown life is certainly... Um, Certainly, the days tend to mould into one, don't they? It doesn't doesn't feel like six months or you know seven months, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I caught the uh, Barca PSG game this evening, and uh, it was a fantastic match. Really, really um, had a warm feeling after it, watching Kylian Mbappe do what he did, and I think you know really it's the pinnacle of European competition. To be honest, isn't it? There's nothing better, to be honest, than a big Champions League night, in, in my opinion. And you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe some of these sides can make it to that Champions League group stage in the coming season. We've also got the Europa Conference League coming up, haven't we? Which we're going to talk about maybe in, in future episodes. We might leave it to one side for this week. But uh, yeah, the main focus now is the Europa League, and it's Mulder against Hoffenheim. Now, obviously, as you mentioned, there's going to be an interview. We're going to talk a little bit more about about the Bundesliga. Um, but from your perspective, Steve, as as Mister Norway, um, what's been the latest? Goings on with Molder. How's their preparation been for this game? What's the latest um, in terms of the match? And uh, what you know, what's the outlook, Steve, for Molder? How are they? How are they feeling in the camp going into this huge game? Well, first thing we've got to say is the match is actually the first leg is going to be played in Spain in Villarreal. Um, it's to do with border controls. Uh, basically, Offenheim are not allowed into Norway. Uh, there's been a few cases of that around um, this week, hasn't there? The, you know, next two or three weeks, I think there's quite a few ties moved to neutral venues. So Villarreal. The first leg, second leg is going to be in Germany. I mean, the big problem for any any teams, not Norway, Sweden, Finland, if it ever happened, uh, even Denmark to a degree, and and some of the Eastern European leagues like Ukraine, Russia had this problem before. <clears throat> excuse me, is that um, you know they just there's always a mid uh, winter break or the off season, and you know if you're facing a a, Euro, a team from a main European league, they're going to be much sharper. They're in the the crunch part of their campaign um, and it's so much difficult to actually compete with them and it can take you you're quite a number of games kind of to get back your, your sort of match sharpness and things. Mulder have had a recent friendly cancel against Rosenborg uh, due to a, it was like a COVID case. Uh, it was all out of precaution really in the Rosenborg side but they just probably haven't been able to get as much match time out there as they would want recently. They've lost Lecky James to, um, to a Saudi Arabian club. They've 
Ui Amoywanfo is injured. He's got a knee problem, so he's ruled out of this match. Probably both legs as well, I think. In fact, he's going to be out for several weeks. So I don't think preparation's that great, to be honest, for Mulder. And um, I, I certainly think they'll be rusty in this game. But it's a no-pressure situation. They're going to give it their best shot. And it's, uh, you know, they're underdogs for a reason. Yeah, and there's been a you know one or two transfers as you mentioned, which we will talk about. I think they've got one or two additions to their to their squad, haven't they? I think Berg Reese is one. Um, perhaps is it Sigurdas and maybe another that you'll talk about. I mean, we talked about Lecky James there. He was a star of one of our episodes in season three. Final episode of season three, I think, uh, was uh, an interview about two years ago with with Lecky James, who had just won a title at that point. Um, you know, he's a, a player that we've looked upon fondly. You know, he was a really nice guy, wasn't he? Having him on the show. As he leaves to Al Qadisia, I believe the name is of the Saudi Arabian club, probably a nice little pay packet there in store for him in, in, in the Saudi Arabian league. What's your overall, you know, um, tribute to to Lecky James's contribution in, in Norwegian football? I can't rate him high enough. I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, he's probably been one of our favourite players in the last few years since he, he came back to Mulder and. Um, Incredible player in terms of clinicality. Shot on target ratio has been usually around the 50% mark, which is right up there with the best in the league. Um, you know, I, I, I sense he was a big game player and I think he was quite an influence in the dressing room for that. You know, you often saw him on, on Instagram or Twitter before or after a, a game and, and it would kind of be some sort of motivational comment, you know, with it good or bad you know, things like that. And, you know, we did the interview with him and I, I sensed that he was very laid back and relaxed. And I, I think that helps him in terms of his composure. You can tell in front of goal, I would always back him in a one-on-one -on -one situation, Lecky James. I think he's he, he just had that finishing ability about him. And uh, apart from the penalty misses that he came up with occasionally, um, I, you know, really top player and um, he'll be a loss for sure. And, and good luck to him in Saudi Arabia. And the same with Armal Pellegrino as well from um, Christian's son. They're both going there. They're going to get well paid and, and good luck to them. They've got to look after their own careers. And there's been a few departures of Mulder as well, that, um, apart from apart from uh, James. And one of them is uh, Henry Wingo, who's moved on. Will, will he be missed in this game? And uh, tell us also about, while you're at it, tell us about the, the uh, arrivals at, at Mulder, Park Risa and and uh, what you know about the new arrivals potentially how how could they impact this this game will they play will they be involved you know they're ready i think uh, henry wingo's left to ferencváros in hungary for nearly 700,000 pounds which i think is a lot of money i i think wingo is not worth that much i wouldn't have forked out that much anyway he's basically converted wing, uh, winger into a right back so i don't know where ferencváros are going to play them i don't know what system they play maybe they're using a wing back system which would work well he's quite similar to trent alexander arnold as a player actually nowhere near as good as that level of course but the best part of his uh game is his passing and his offensive contributions he's actually i don't think he's that good a defender a little bit like trent some people might disagree with me there but it's, it's the weak part of his game so um he's certainly not a, a right back as such but he's and he's certainly not someone for me that's worth seven hundred thousand pounds i think Mulder have done quite well there but uh, will he be missed not really too much. I think mean, he added nice depth, but he wasn't always a banker starter and he, he wouldn't call him a stud player. And uh, remember last season, um, Christopher Harold's side was uh, ruled out a whole year with an ACL injury. They'll have him back and uh, he'll be ready to go again. So he's out coming in. No one really yet. Um, of note, Bjorn Sigurdarsson's coming from Lillestrøm. He is a player that's been around the block. He's been at Lillestrøm, uh, sorry, Mulder before. Um, whether or not his best goal-scoring days are behind him now, I'm not sure. He's a, kind of an experienced journeyman, really. He's been all over the block. But uh, that experience could help him out. Whether or not he's quite up to sharpness yet, I don't know. Um, that's the big, that's my big concern ahead of the, these Europa League ties. They're just going to be found out be too rusty. Yeah, and of course, uh, it's a very different climate in, uh, in Norway to, to Villarreal, isn't it, in Spain? I've uh, been there before, and it's a beautiful town, beautiful city. Uh, the surrounding areas. It's a really nice place. I remember having a sort of a midday siesta there with a few beers. I uh, went to watch Villarreal. Um, back in the days when Diego Forlan was, was uh, up front for them, which was uh, quite a while ago now. Um, but yes, uh, you know, how do you think they'll adapt to that, Steve, that change of climate? Will it be a big loss to them not having home advantage? Um, Molder have only, uh, the last time they were in this point of the competition was 2016. And they lost, of course, in their last 32. 
whereas Hoffenheim is actually their debut in at this stage of the competition. So Molden may have a little bit more advantage in terms of experience, but they, they're certainly going to go into it as the uh, the underdogs, aren't they? The German side are unbeaten at this level of the competition so far. So um, how do you think the venue of it will, will affect the tie potentially, if at all? I, I think it might give them a boost, actually. Remember, most of these um, teams in Norway, the, the bigger teams, used to have their, their, their warm weather camp around this time of year you know, to Marbella or wherever, um, you know, where there's a bunch of golf courses and stuff like that. Of course, that's not going to happen this year, is it? So I don't know how long Mulder are actually going to be out there for, but I've looked at the weather forecast. It's going to be sunny, 17 degrees. Um, I mean, that's like a balmy hot day, isn't it, in Mulder in the middle of summer, perhaps. So uh, it's going to take a little bit of getting used to, but I think it, if, it, if it was me, if I was going flying out to Spain for a couple of days right now, I'd be loving it. You know, I'd be loving a bit of sunshine on me. So... Hopefully it will it will improve the the morale of the players and um, maybe the the warm warmer climate will help bring uh, you know some good um, some good football on show and, and we're going to talk about Hoffenheim very very soon with the interview with Archie but you know it sounds like they're quite attacking so Mulder will get some chance chances themselves I think it's a question of whether they can take them or not um, it's going to be really weird that you know if Hoffenheim score then it's going to be an away goal, isn't it? It's just that just feels very strange, but that's that's the way we are these days. Yeah, and there's a young player as well. I don't know if you know about him from Angers called Datro David Fafana, uh, an 18 year old, I think, from the Ivory Coast. Do you know much about him as well? Is he, is he a sort of a bit of a rookie or is he known in, in France at all who Mulder have brought in? He's in their, he's in their Europa League squad for the match, so could potentially uh, be involved. I have to say, this is not a player that I know anything about at all. So um, let's see. Let's see. He's look. There's been Africans before that have come up to Scandinavia, have made a, a really big impact, and you know he could be could be anything. I I can't comment on on myself though because I've not seen him. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll keep an eye out for him because he looks like you know maybe a young player to keep an eye on. Who who knows? Uh, hard to tell really. Not too much information around about him, but uh, certainly looks like he's going to be featuring in the squad, born in 2002. So um, we'll move on to the interview with Archie in a second. But b before we do, uh, Steve, yeah, we, you know, in the context of the match, how big is it from a Norwegian perspective? How, how you know, is it kind of accepted that Hoffenheim will win or is there a feeling that this could be a big chance to go further than Mulder have been in, in Europe for some time? I don't think too many fellow Norwegians will be cheering them on. They're not a particularly well-liked club up there. But, um, you know, from our, our perspective, it obviously is quite interesting, isn't it, to see someone at this stage and we kind of would, would like them to continue their journey. Um, I don't think anyone expects them to get past Hoffenheim. I mean, they're the, the current second favorite, uh, second uh, worst favourites with the bookmakers at about 600 to 1. Only Wolfsberger, who have got Spurs. By the way, how, how on earth are Spurs joint favourites to win the Europa League? I have no idea. I wouldn't place Monopoly money on Spurs right now. I win that. Um, but yeah, Wolfsburg are only a bigger price than Mulder. And that, and that kind of sums it up. Hoffenheim, you would probably expect to get past them um, fairly comfortable. I don't think there's any expectations as such, but you just never know, do you, in football? They can enjoy it in that. Uh, I don't really think too much has been made of it. I think it's a really good achievement what Mulder have managed. You know, it doesn't happen very often. It's probably not being celebrated as much as it should be because of you know, the club and not that popular and, and things like that. And, and maybe with these corona times, you just, you know, there's no chance of a big crowd, you know, and, and, and get things excited that way. Fair enough. Let's go straight to the interview then with, uh, with Archie. And uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this. So when this uh, draw was announced, um, I, I racked my brains and thought, who can we get in? for a really great opinion uh, an expert on on hoffenheim and german football and uh, the first name that sprung to my mind was archie ryan tut who's someone i followed for many years his, his bundesliga knowledge is superb he's a, a bundesliga reporter on the ground for espn i've heard him on other podcasts as well um his his knowledge over there is second to none and a fantastic guy as well so uh, yeah we caught up um on saturday actually it was before the latest round of bundesliga fixture so i think you know a couple of things may even be out of date like injuries and stuff may have happened since then so do that bear that in mind but uh, yeah here is uh, the interview with uh, archie I'm delighted to be joined on this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast by Archie Ryan Tuck. Um, Archie, thanks very much. All good, Steve. Good to talk to you. So, uh, a big uh, Europa League match between Mulder and uh, Hoffenheim coming up. Well, certainly big 
in terms of the Scandinavian region, it's not very often we get Molder, um, you know, any Norwegian team really make the knockout phase. Um, so I just wanted to get a, a bit of an opinion about um, Hoffenheim. Let's find out a bit about them. And, and first of all, they're sort of the route into this um, phase of the uh, of the Europa League. Has it, has it been quite straightforward? Yeah, it has been uh, much more straightforward than their previous European campaigns, where they've really struggled. But there was a real I think concerted effort to try and uh, fight a little bit better in uh, in Europe than they have done on their previous occasions. Not not that they've been actually probably too far away in terms of the performances, but the results have been uh, far off uh, their ambitious intentions. On in the previous occasion, you had Julian Nagelsmann as coach, for example, in, in their first season where they were knocked out by Liverpool. Uh, of the uh, of the Champions League qualification, but then the pre- but then again they were able to make it into the Champions League group stages under Nagelsmann. But still, like they create lots of chances and were then punished for for not taking them. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at their actual uh, league position now in the Bundesliga. Uh, not that great, actually. I expected them to be probably in a better position. So, um, I mean, what's been going wrong there? as well and, and their fans in that they were expecting more they made a surprise coaching change from the outside at the end of last season when they replaced Alfred Schreider uh, who went off to uh, be Ronald Koeman's assistant coach at Barcelona but it, it wasn't like uh, that was with Hoffenheim's blessing it was more that Hoffenheim uh, and, and Schreider parted ways because Hoffenheim weren't happy with, with what Schreider was doing and it makes you think well uh, how ambitious a club uh, that this is this is because of I think everything that was achieved under Julian Nagelsmann even before uh, money uh, had been invested but uh, the aim of Dietmar Hopp was that this would be a self-sufficient club all the same and this season uh, under Sebastian Hernes who uh, is famously the son of Dieter Hernes and therefore the nephew of Uli Hernes um, he'd been coach at uh, Bayern Munich second team done very well with them uh, winning the third division uh, which is very rare for a, a second team to do that uh, and the aim was for him to to take Hoffenheim forward into those European places again but he has had to face an unbelievable run of injuries uh, I would say the fact that uh, your captain and best defender Benjamin Hubner uh, is injured just before the season begins is less than ideal and I think uh, about nine different players at least have been used at centre-back so far when you're playing a back three a lot of the time well, that's a lot uh, so that's been that's been taken into account I think that's why he still holds the position now uh, they are happier working with him than they were with uh, Alfred Schroeder before um, and and yeah, like they've still been creating chances. They've still had their moments. I think beating Bayern Munich in the second game of the season raised expectations to a very high level. Uh, expectations that weren't able to be then met because it was a while before they then won a game. But uh, it, it wasn't like they've been playing terribly all season long. They've been having good phases in games. It's just when they're not on it, they're defensively uh, have been uh, shaky, shall we say. Who would you say um, are there two or three key players uh, to watch out for in the in these Europa League matches against Molde? Well, you have to make the provision with Hoffenheim uh, if they're fit. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say Andrei Kramaric is uh, the the leading player in this squad. Who I'm surprised he's still at Hoffenheim had it not been for maybe the odd injury coming at the wrong time. Maybe he would have gone elsewhere, but he is a very impressive striker, um, somebody that Mulder need to be very wary of. Christoph Baumgartner as well, uh, whilst maybe could have had a, a f- one or two more goals this season, uh, he looks very sharp going forward. He's able to take chances sometimes just with this panache that you would expect of a of a of a more seasoned pro than he is he's only 21 so he's certainly one to watch out for as well and 
I, I would say as well that uh, whilst uh, he, he can have his moments, Oliver Bowman is, is an important player for them in goal, particularly when it comes to giving them impetus from the back uh, and is capable of, of big performances as well. So those would be the three I would mm. highlight. Well, thanks for that. Um, in terms of when this draw was, was announced, I think Mulder, from a, a club in their perspective, you either want to face... The, the most light the easiest possible draw or a really big team and, and no disrespect it often and they're kind of in between that aren't they they're, they're kind of a bit you know Mulder are, are underdogs here uh, they're not expected to probably to win but at the same time it's 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 not a great tie in terms of that how, how do Hoffenheim perceive this draw do you think will they expect to come through easily no I, I, I don't think so I think that this is this is a team which is uh fighting for its glamour uh, this is a club that is trying to make itself a more attractive place for players to come and you look at the players that they've attracted there uh, these are players who you wouldn't have been surprised if they'd if they'd maybe gone elsewhere to more tradition laden clubs but the fact that they came to Hoffenheim I, I think of the likes of uh, Samasiku uh, Munas Dabur for example even being able to, to hold on to Andre Kramaric, for example, these are these are players who are ready, uh, on, or you would have expected to, to maybe push on another level or so. So for, for Hoffenheim, it's important for them to make a name for themselves in Europe. The fact that they've been in the Champions League, and even that that's your perspective, I think shows shows you that they still have some work to do in. In, in that sense so they'll take the game against Mulder very seriously I, I, I wouldn't see them uh, I, I don't think it'll be a case of them underestimating them on any front it's just a case of can they bring the performance that they need and can they bring the defensive stability that has been lacking all too often this season the the actual general perception of the Europa League in Germany, uh, how, how is it seen, uh, Archie? Because there's the certain countries it's kind of disrespected a bit, but I always sense that in sort of mainstream Europe, um, it means a bit more. This, it, it depends on the club. So, for example, when Eintracht Frankfurt were in the Europa League uh, a couple of uh, a couple of seasons ago, it was only the season before last, and, and the one uh, and and last season as well. Uh, it was taken extremely seriously. You saw the fact that even their third round qualifier uh, against a... Uh, I, the fact I can't remember the country, I think, says it was uh, not not the most prestigious yes. opponent in Europe. Um, it, it was full. It was completely full. And, and this is a game in July uh, and, and August. So... If, if it's a club like that where they've not played in Europe for a long time, even uh, say uh, say Cologne as well, then it's taken with yeah a, a lot of um, uh, it's taken very seriously. Um, but you see good numbers um, for Hoffenheim's games when it's been on uh, on on terrestrial television here um, RTL. Um, and, and when and when it's been shown there, then actually they've probably been doing surprisingly good numbers. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd still say that uh, in in previous seasons the Europa League has maybe not been taken as seriously by by some other clubs. But I think that in in the last two seasons you've seen more of a switch in mentality. And yeah, I, I think that now it's it's really um, it's it's really prioritised, and, and particularly from Hoffenheim, given the fact that they've not managed to make a knockout round before. Interesting, yeah. So there's actually been a fixture uh, rearrangement here for the first leg. It will not be in Norway uh, because um, Norway's very, very strict with their um, border controls at the moment. And the first leg is actually going to be in, in Spain, uh, Villarreal. Now, I've heard okay. it's been a very uh, cold period in Germany recently. Uh, in fact, I do believe your own water bottle was freezing last night from a tweet I saw. <laughs> um, so, um, do you Can't think. Confirm. Do you think this will um, it will kind of suit Hoffenheim to go down to Spain in a bit of a warm climate there to play their the, suit their style their attacking style? I, I think it'll have a similar effect on on Mold. I think both both teams might be. I, I've not I've not checked the I've not checked the weather uh, in 
in Villarreal. So I, I, I don't I don't know how much warmer it will be. Uh, but, That's a good point. But, it might be it might be cold there as well. It's been every well. Year. I, I know that I know that. Look, this this is going to sound um, <laughs> this is going to sound like I've, I've not been following Spanish weather uh, it, it, all, all that closely, which is true. Uh, <laughs> but I do know that there was snow in Madrid recently, uh, so so I, I, yeah, Spain Spain does have the capacity to be cold as well. But yeah, I I would imagine that it will be a little bit warmer for them. So, so just to wrap things up, Ben, you're expecting Hoffenheim to be pretty attack-minded in, in both fixtures. That's the sort of style they are. Yeah, they. I, that's one of the tenets of, of Sebastian Hernes's style of play. He is ambitious. Uh, they want they want to go forward. Uh, it's just been a case of taking their chances. If you look at the the chances they created, for example, in their last two Bundesliga games against Eintracht Frankfurt and against Bayern Munich, then uh, on on expected goals, then they're actually level with with both of their opponents there. The problem is they lose the Eintracht Frankfurt game 3-1 and they lose the game to Bayern Munich 4-1. So it's being able to make the most of those spells of pressure and I think getting something approaching a settled unit as well. If you look at the amount of players that they have out, even for Saturday's game against Borussia Dortmund, Kevin Akpaguma, centre-back, Ermin Bajacic, a centre-back, Benjamin Hubner, not played since the start of the season, but a centre-back, Havard Nordfeit, a centre-back, Ryan Sessegnon, also been used at centre-back this season. Like, these are these are a lot of injury issues that they're having to put up with. And uh, I think as much as anything, it's can, can the side that Sebastian Hernes puts out uh, find uh, find a way to to gel together because yeah I, I think that for for long periods this season uh, the stability in the lineup has uh, has has been missing and that's not necessarily Sebastian Hernandez's fault. And dare we ask you for a prediction for these uh, ties? I, I, I'd I'd say that Hoffenheim will will go through, but I don't know that much about Mulder, so I could be speaking too soon. And actually, for those who've been intrigued from what they've heard from you here about Hoffenheim and, and German football, where, where can where can people find you? Uh, they can they can find me online uh, at archert one on Twitter, and I'm also uh, on every now and then on uh, the Guardian's uh, Football Weekly podcast, and also uh, on uh, ESPN FC uh, covering the Bundesliga. Actually, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you appearing on the Nordic Football Podcast. Thanks very much. Stay safe and take care. Cheers, Steve. You too. Cheers. Welcome back. And yeah, I'm glad that uh, it's not as cold as the uh, the water bottles that Archie's carrying around to games. But uh, that was a really, really fascinating interview and uh, a good insight into into Hoffenheim, the Bundesliga club. Steve, going to put you on the spot before we move on to um, to you know recent winter updates, transfers, that kind of thing. Molde Hoffenheim, what's your prediction for this game? How do you see it going um, from a tactical point of view to start with? Maybe formation-wise, do you see any um, weaknesses, maybe that Molde or strengths of Molders that they can exploit? And you know, finally, do you have a do you have a prediction in mind? I know you like a little prediction. Yeah, I think after you know hearing um, about Hoffenheim from from Archie, that I think it'll be both ties will be open, and I could see Hoffenheim probably winning both matches, something like three-one. But I think there could be, who knows if there'll be any complaint. If there's any complacency from Hoffenheim, then Mulder maybe could take advantage. It sounds like they'll leave themselves a little bit open at times, but probably got too much offensive strength and quality. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Hoffenheim on aggregate go through 7 3. Well, that is some, that is some prediction <laughs> you should put. A- that might be a bit of a cheeky fiver on it because if you get that right, you're gonna be, you're gonna be quids in. It's very exact, I know. Um, <laughs> I think half an hour will win both legs. So you're saying that the game itself will be seven three or aggregate? On aggregate, I think they'll win both legs. Let's say three um, two in the first leg. What does that leave? Four one in the second. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, nobody can ever accuse me, man, soccer of sitting on the fence. That is one hell of a hell of a call. Let's see if he's right or if he if he if he's wrong. Um, but yeah, no, great stuff. And yeah, tune into that game it's on Thursday. I think it's eight PM kickoff uh, in the UK time. So should be should be an interesting game. Um, let's move on now, Steve, because we're gonna you know last time I spoke to you, we were talking about Buddha Glimt. 
and you know we de dissected our team of the season um, with Y Scout, and we we um, we were reviewing everything. But it's uh, we're not too far away now from the new campaign, or a couple of months away. And uh, teams have been sort of uh, doing their winter business, looking to revitalize their squads. What's the latest from Norway at this early stage of, of pre-season? Not too much in terms of ins. Um, there's more more outs than ins. But um, I think the, the one that really sticks out to me recently this week is the departure from Starbeck of Emil Bahinen. Now, he's the son of Lars Bahinen. We've talked about him on this podcast quite a lot of times before. A very good midfielder. What really stuck out to me is the actual fee. 1.35 million to CSK in Moscow. Now, all right, that might not sound a lot to some people, but that's a lot of money for a club like Starbeck. Um, it's not often they will sell someone um for well they, they have actually sold some uh some good assets in recent years but i think 1.35 million this current climate is quite a good price i, I actually think it's a good buy as well for cska by the way i think it's a they can certainly um invest a very good talent and probably sell him on for way more down the line if he develops but at this stage i think that's good money for starbeck uh, we knew he, he was going to leave the league it's so just a question of where but it looks to me like a good career move and I think, um, you know, for both, for all three parties, it makes sense. So that one stuck out to me straight away now. Yeah, and I had actually, I had a question on my personal account about Bohinen, um, asking, you know, what kind of player is he? What's his style of play? That kind of thing. Uh, we did actually write a, a, a piece on Scout for, for him on the Scout blog, um, our partners. And uh, can you just give an update in terms of, for anyone who maybe didn't read that, what's his, what can we expect from him? Because he's quite highly rated, isn't he? He's a very good um, ta tackler, interceptor, positionally astute. He, he get he, a really good positional player in sort of. He's a midfielder, central midfielder, sort of deep line playmaker sort of guy in that deeper role. Um, he's got a good pass on him, but he's got all the sort of qualities you need from a player in that area. And he, and he has developed physically as well in the last sort of eighteen months. To a level where you know I, I actually don't know much about the russian league these days to be brutally honest so i don't know what sort of physical standard or technical level it is but i would imagine he can certainly uh it's actually quite refreshing to see someone go there rather than turkey or belgium to be honest what, what position is he steve just as a defensive a... midfielder and uh is about how is he 21 ish yeah he's uh he's certainly not that old he's uh let me just check his actual age 21 years old exactly 22 in march so he's, he's getting to that age where he can you know i think it's a perfect time for him to, to switch and uh yeah the question i actually had from elliot rothwell was uh, what's his distribution like and he says <clears throat> we have fond memories of scandinavian defensive midfielders recently we have never really gotten over the losses of rasmus elm and pontus vernbloom so i think he's a csk fan now what is your viewpoint on his distribution leslie yeah good uh, i think he's got a good vision really um both long and short it's got better over the last 12 months and he needed to test himself in a better league to be honest so i think it's a good good signing for csk i could actually i think this guy could go very well there i don't see him coming back to norway you know or um, you sometimes get these signings go out of scandinavia and they're back within you know 18 months but i think his next destination after csk will be somewhere better or or Either that, or he actually does pretty well at CSK and in knuckles and, and and stays there for a while. I just don't see him going back. He's too good for that. Yeah, and you know, I, I remember you talking about him last season as well. So it sounds like it's a an interesting pickup from for the Russian league and one for Elliot, hopefully to, to enjoy as a, as a fan. What else have we got in terms of business? Is that the main piece of business? Because obviously, Starbeck, you mentioned the, the the money. You know, there's not been too many sales of, of that kind of level of pricing, has there? And no. when you look at Starbeck, who finished mid table last season they, they finished sort of bang on eighth can they use that money to sort of maybe push up the table a little bit this season or is it going to just be going into consolidating and has there been any other clubs bringing in that kind of level of cash uh not as of yet i mean we, we talked about uh henry wingo getting seven hundred thousand for molder i mean i sometimes wonder where the money for starbeck actually goes i guess just the general cost and stuff because they never seem to really invest players themselves they um they've had some great youngsters come through they've managed to sell but um yeah there has i don't think the this window is really you know the the transfer season up in scandinavia has really truly kicked off yet 
and whether or not it will be maybe a bit, bit quieter than normal as well due to sort of corona times you know there certainly hasn't been um that amount of money in yeah i'm just actually looking around if anyone has got remotely close there's actually hardly been any cash sales apart from Mulder and the odd other one around so um i tell you one player that did catch my eyes and it is an incoming though it's a, it's a free transfer to strom's god set and this is a player we've taught who's torn up this league before in the past it didn't work out for him in holland someone called fred friday who is a nigerian uh, player and um i've always been a big fan of him um not just his name either which is a fantastic name isn't it fred friday but uh, he used to be a, a really top finisher and i was praising lecky james earlier in this podcast he's a similar sort of striker a bit not as big of a physical unit but he's fast and he went to AZ at Alkmaar. Um, he actually scored some goals there. Wasn't a sh- he wasn't an sh- absolute shambles by all means. But for Strom's godset to bring him back to the Elite Assyrian, I think that's a fantastic, an absolutely fantastic move, to be honest. Fred Friday. I mean, this is a guy that cost AZ Alkmaar 1.35 million from Lillestrom in 2016. So, is that genuinely his name, Fred Friday? Fred Friday, yeah. Um, I don't know what's better, Fred Fred Friday or Fred Flintstone. It's <laughs> a pretty stunning uh, name. Yeah, he's out here from Port Port Harcourt in Nigeria. Imo Imo Fred Friday. He scored. He's got a great history in Elite Assyrian. Um, Twenty-two goals and six assists from fifty-nine appearances in the Eredivisie. Eleven goals and four assists from forty-one appearances. It's not too bad, I don't think. He's also scored goals in Belgium. This is a proven goal scorer, which uh, will serve Storm's good say very well. I think this is a stud signing for them. Fair enough, Fred Friday. Keep an eye out on him, but just uh, make sure you you tune in on. Uh, don't tune in on one Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. And uh, one of the teams I wanted to ask you about, or maybe you might actually want to ask me about, because it seems like um, their recruitment policy is entirely based on um, signings from Sweden, is Rosenborg. Uh, they've been quite active so far, haven't they? And they've brought a couple of players in from the Swedish league. They have. They've got Vekir in from uh, Sirius. We, August Stinson from Yoga. And we talked about him before. I think he, he sounds like a good addition. And then someone called Adam Anderson from Hecken. I'm sure you're going to tell us a bit more about. They've uh, brought in... Uh, there's a bunch of loanees have come back as well. And knowing Rosenborg, they'd probably try and use some of these loanees. Uh, there have been a few outgoings as well. Um, their guy Hegenstadt has gone to Turkey on a free transfer. They've actually managed to pocket 90,000 for Georgia Denich to uh, Apollo Limassol in Cyprus. Goodness knows what they're smoking to be paying 90,000 pounds for him. That's just free cash. That is unbelievable. And uh, Parkanate, who he's left as well. Tori Reginison has actually moved to Germany for St. Pauli. The Veteran centre-back. Uh, they'll miss him, his, his presence at the back. Samuel Adigbener has gone to Norshipping. I'm sure we'll talk about him. And a few other signings as well. Jermund Assen has moved on loan to Lillestrom. So plenty of ins and outs at Rosenborg. But I think they needed that. They needed uh, a wake-up call from, you know, they need to be back there challenging for titles. Yeah, and, you know, in terms of Adam Anderson, just quickly on him, moving to Rosenborg is, is a left-back, can play right-back as well if, if he needed to. Um, you know, I saw him quite a lot when I, when I was out in Sweden because he was at Beko Hacken, which was just down the road from me uh, in Jotterburg and Hissingen. I, I've always wanted a bit more from him, to be honest. I've always thought that there's potential there. He's a Swedish international, um, two caps of Sweden, but he's always shown a great deal of promise, been talked about a lot, but never really sort of just quite kicked on. And I've always just been left wanting a little bit more, a little bit more. He's got a, a brother who I think went off to, to, to Denmark. Um, <clears throat> and I just think that, this could be the opportunity for him now. He's 24, so he's, you know, he's not young. When when, he, when I was out there, he was just coming through. You know, he was a, he was a youngster at the time, but, you know, 21-ish, and was considered really highly rated. Um, the move to Rosenborg is, you know, probably a bit of a step up, although Hakon are on the up these days. But uh, I think it's a challenge for him that he, he probably needs, and uh, maybe a fresh change of scenery, new you know, new new environment, maybe he can kick on. Uh, Vecchia, I think, is going to be a really interesting signing. Um, I know there was quite a few teams in Serie A and other places looking at him in the Netherlands as well. So I think that's a bit of a coup potentially for Rosenborg if he can, you know, adapt to to that league. I, I know that there's been some question marks about him in the sense of, you know, last season he was incredible and one of the players of the season. But 
before that was he really kicking up trees and you know there was a talk of you know is that just maybe a one-off season for him maybe and that's that'll be the question now can he prove himself again and consistently so i'll certainly be keeping an eye on Rosenborg because um i think they've got a swedish sporting director haven't they and they've pretty much just been recruiting from sweden you know augustinson as well and of course um last season they signed the, the striker didn't they um from Mostersons. Yeah, there's a big Swedish influence there. They're obviously looking at the Allsvenskan, and maybe it's not the worst idea in the world. Uh, it sounds like Vecchio is going to be a good signing, and the two um, wide players at the back definitely could add something to, to the team as well. I think they did need a bit of a clear-out, to be honest, Rosenborg. It, it might just be one of them years where they, they kind of it takes them a little bit of time to settle down and they come stronger as the, the season goes on. I, th I think they certainly need to do more still. But um, I think it's not a bad start. At least they're active. At least they're, they're flexing their muscles in both directions and, and maybe getting rid of some players that needed to shift on as well. So have they I, sold anyone? Is they, have they lost any key players? Is there anyone that you would be like, well, that's going to be a big loss, or is it kind of just clearing out Deadwood? Tory Reginiston is a huge loss because he was he was in some people's team of the year last uh, last season at centre back. I mean, I thought he had a pretty solid campaign. Look, he's a veteran. He's a legend. Massive dressing room influence, the captain. You know, you forget about on the field. Just they're going to lose so much off the field from him. But you know, you, you've got to move on sometimes, haven't you? So I think that's he's the biggest loss. Um, I don't think Hedensad will be a huge departure, even though his, his set pieces and stuff have been pretty good for him the last couple of years. Um, I think they can, you know, cope without his loss. Uh, but Reginison will be felt. Fair enough, and uh, I think that probably wraps it up for this part of uh, the show. Um, unless you've got any final comments, any other transfers caught your eye just quickly before we move on? Yeah, not not, not specific transfers, but I think I'm just going to name a couple of clubs I'm a little bit concerned about heading into the season at this point. I think Viking and Odd need to um, need to do a little bit more. In Viking's case as well, they've got a new joint management crew of, as well. Just This is very early, and there's a long way to go. I, I just... I've just got initial concerns about both. You know, a couple of clubs that would expect to be sort of up there in the top half, maybe even higher. And I think both need to do a bit more. Otherwise, it could be a little bit of a rocky campaign. Fair enough. Uh, I think that wraps it up, does it? Yeah, that's it for this section. Yep, let's move on to Sweden then. Uh, you know, of course, in the coming weeks, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Pre-season games are kicking off now. You know, we'll bring you a lot more on the Snorty Football Podcast in, in, in the weeks to come. Now we're back for 2021. But uh, for now, let's let's head over to to Sweden, shall we, Steve? Yeah. So, um, what's been going on that side of the border then, Jonathan? Transfer spending. What's that been? Uh, what's that been like? Has there been much money floating around this winter? Yeah. Well, it's always a, a useful indicator, I feel, of um, you know where the market is and what's happening in the league. Just dropped my phone, so that's a bit of a pain. <laughs> um, yeah, that's always a, it's always a bit of a marker of you know what's happening, and. Um, Spending has actually increased a little bit compared to last season. Yeah, you know, of course, last season was very, um, you know, with, with COVID and the long, long break between between the end of the season in, in Sweden and the beginning of the new season took till June, didn't it? So it was well over six months. Um, there was not much spending, and clubs were extremely cautious. This year, a little bit more expenditure, but to be honest, the majority of that spending there's been about 1.1 million euros or so spent so far. Um, but the majority of that, I think roughly three quarters of that, if not more, has been spent by uh, one team. And that is uh, that is your garden. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting situation at the moment. You know, there's teams teams looking to rebuild. Um, I think the major teams have maybe brought one or two in. Uh, the likes of your garden or Eco have been a bit active. Um, Hammerby have been active as well. Uh, but... Um, Although, to be fair, transfer market is, is, doesn't count some of the undisclosed fees. So, as an example, um, you know, I know that Astrid Selmani was, was, was signed for uh, roughly about 200, I think, 200, 300,000 euros. Um, he's not included on this, this transfer spending. So, it may well be actually more than 1.1 million. Maybe it's around 1.5, maybe 1.6, 1.7. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot more than it was in 2020. Transfer expenditure for the entire season that year was around less than 500,000 euros. So teams are investing, teams are bringing in and teams to compete and certainly uh, Eurogard have been very active. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just talk about 
give us two or sort of two or three key signings so far that have, have caught your eye then uh, jonathan well i think probably the biggest signing so far is that of joel osoro he's returned to sweden of course he was a, a really highly rated talent swedish youth international when he when he left and he went to sunderland um and then he went to swansea and it's not really worked out for him you know didn't really get many opportunities to be honest at sunderland uh or swansea you know wasn't really you know, still quite young, still maturing, didn't really turn into a sort of a stall of the team, so to speak. Um, he's moved back now and the fees reported to be £630,000. And I think Eurogarden, maybe they found their Buyatori replacement because he is a he is a talent. There's no doubt about that. You know, he was, like I say, very highly rated, a good um, athlete, a good striker. And, um, you know, at 21, it's, it will be a big responsibility for him to, to sort of come in and maybe carry... Uh, Garden will have aspirations of, of of winning, you know, the league. Um, but let's see where it goes. You know, he, he's from the Bromley Poikner Academy, which, as we all know, um, is is a very productive academy, produces some top talents. So um, the challenge for him now is to sort of establish himself, coming back to Sweden, and, and really kick on with his career. They've they've also brought in a, a winger called Albion Ademi from uh, from IFK Mariheim, Mariham. Uh, which I don't know too much about, to be honest. That's in the, in the Finnish league. Uh, so he'll be one to maybe keep an eye out for. I don't know if you've been watching any games uh, in the Swimming Cup of Mariham, but yeah, he's a he's a, he's a left winger that that, that that you know could be they're, interesting. They're one of my favourite teams in in Finland. I'm, I'm not joking here. They're they're uh, they're uh, they're based on um, a bunch of islands on the southwest coast of Finland. Is Mariham? So mm-hmm. I've always had a, a soft spot for. Them. Well, the one interesting thing with. Um, with not just Eurogarden but but others, one, one trend that we're we're seeing at the moment is, and I think this could be partly because of COVID and just reduced finances. Seeing a lot of teams recruiting from the lower leagues in Sweden now, um, and one example of that is at Eurogarden, Isaac Heen, centre back signed from Vasalund in the third tier, and this is a trend that we we've seen a lot actually, Steve. That's probably the biggest trend I've seen um, in this early part of preseason is, is is teams dipping into the lower leagues to sign players. Um, you know, Oikor have signed the player from Yon Shopping in the Super Etten. Um, Jetmir Haliti, he's a centre back who's come in. Um, you know, like I say, Jurgen Isaac Heen, uh, Sirius have been active in that market, and they signed a, a player from Ekin Bullet who keep an eye on him because I think he's a striker who will be much talked about. He's got a lot of goals at third tier level. Uh, Ahmed Kasim as well from uh, Motala has joined Elsborg. So a big trend we're seeing. You know, I don't know so much about all these players, but. Uh, a big trend we're seeing is, is clubs dipping down into the lower leagues to try and, um, you know, maybe un- unearth some gems. Um, that aside, Alexander Yeremi Yef is back from Dresden. He's gone back to Hacken um, for for quite a big fee. That's one of the, one of the other biggest fees that's been paid so far, about three hundred and fifty thousand pounds roughly. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main bulk of the business we've seen so far, really. Yeah, I'm just looking at your garden's uh, business now. I have to say they certainly have been uh, rather busy. They brought in Rosmer Schuler from uh, HJK Helsinki. I watched a lot of him when he was in MLS with Minnesota United, actually. Quite rate him. He's a really good sort of uh, all-round versatile midfielder. I could see him going quite well there. And they've actually received a decent fee for Jesper Karlström. Uh, Lech Poznan signed him for £700,000, which is not a bad fee for any club up there in, in, in Scandinavia to receive. Um, I just want to go back to Joel Asoro now. What What is the sort of biggest strength that he's going to bring to the Asvenskan that he could maybe tear it apart? Uh, I'll be honest, like, he's not a player I've seen a huge amount of um, because he moved quite early and he, he's you know, been in, in the under-23s um, at Sunderland and he, you know, he did emerge, played a handful of games, but hasn't really established himself to be honest. So I'm going to be totally frank. I don't know a huge amount about him in terms of his style of play. Uh, I know he's an under 21 international who's done very well and I know he's highly rated, but uh, yeah, I'm not probably the person to to talk about him if I'm honest. But what I do know is he's, like I say, he's he's, he's, a, he's very well thought of. Now, you're not going to pay that kind of money for, for someone if they don't feel he's going to provide real value. And I think he's a player that they could eventually sort of rejig his career and then sell on. You know, I look at him as a kind of like a Haksabanovic where comes back from a Premier League club, you know, gets a big move early in his career when he's young, um, doesn't quite make it at that level. I question those sort of moves, you know, is it is it better to move to the Premier League when you're 17, 18, 
in Sweden or is it better to just carry on your career and, you know, get first team football? Um, Haxavanovic didn't make it at West Ham, came back and, and lit up the league. I'm sorry, we'll kind of look at that as the blueprint. Um, he has played 40 games in the Championship, though. So to be fair to him, he has got a bit of a bulk of experience, um, but only 1,672 minutes. So it's, it's not, you know, he's not sort of playing in every game week in, week out when he was when he was at these teams, you know, like, um, you know, when he was at Sunderland and, and Swansea. So, you know, three goals in the championship in that, in that, in that time, it's, you know, not really sort of established himself as he, but you, you know, you don't get in a championship team at sort of 19, 20, if you're not, if you've not got something about you. Yeah. So um, I look at it as from a point of view of your guard. And I think, I think this could be a real coup and they really, they, they didn't have a, in my opinion, they didn't have that kind of Puyatura replacement last season. I think, you know, don't forget they won the league the year before that. And I think last season they were just a little bit toothless at times, a little bit, didn't quite have that target man, didn't quite have someone who could run in behind. I think Asura will bring that. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see him in, in Osvenskan this season for sure. Uh, he sounds like a very exciting uh, signing. I, I think I could see myself watching quite a bit of uh, yoga and matches this year, um, having seen who they've brought in. I'm excited for them. Um, yeah, well, there's been there's been quite a bit of controversy about Eurogarden in this off season, uh, and it's a bit of a strange situation. The manager, Kim Bergstrand, nearly nearly found himself out of a job. Uh, he came out on a podcast and came out with some quite untoward comments. He said that um, he said that essentially that there was a lot that you can learn from the Nazis <laughs> about leadership. And um, well, I mean, you know, in this day and age, I think it's uh, I think it probably wasn't meant in the sentiment maybe he meant i hope anyway um but yeah he, he kind of made a comment that there's a lot to be learned about leadership and like skills like that from the nazi regime and um at the end of the day the comments got him in a lot of hot water and uh, there was a lot of calls for him to be sacked uh there was a lot of tension he came out the next day and made a full apology and said that you know he was he was um misunderstood in his comments and he wasn't trying to sort of praise it he was just saying that you know, maybe maybe the words were sort of out of context and, and, and you know, denied that he, you know, denied any uh, wrongdoing. But um, he did get a rather sharp slap on the wrist from uh, Eurogarden's um, management uh, board level. Um, but I think he's managed to keep his job, so that will probably blow over. But, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a rocky time because there was some pretty strong calls for him to be sacked. And Bergstrand, as we've talked about in the past, he's, he, him and the joint manager situation there, um, with Thomas Lagerlof, they've been, they've been pretty good. So, you know, Eurogarden, I think this season, a bit of a rejig squad, but I think they're, they've recruited reasonably well, to be honest. Um, and, and just to finalise on that as well, that, you know, they, they are a bit like Rosenborg in a sense. I think they, they've cleared out quite a lot of players. As you mentioned, their Karlstrom's gone. Kevin Walker's gone to Oibro on a free transfer. He's, he was getting on a bit. Um, Frederick Ulverstad is a, is, is a player I think they might miss. Centre midfield has gone to China. Uh, Augustinson they've lost as well so they have sort of gone down that path of getting rid of some players Jonathan Ring left as well so it's a bit of a regeneration for Eurogarden but luckily for them they've just about managed to keep their manager in the, in the job Do you know what? I can't escape anything sort of World War II related at the minute because uh, I've actually been doing that with, with, with one of my kids I've been doing the homeschooling I've been basically a history teacher for the last six weeks, and that one of her topics she has to do is, is World War Two. So we've been doing stuff about the Nazis and and and, and things like that. So uh, it's just a f ironic you actually mention it on here. I can't escape it, Jonathan. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask you if you think the Nazis were good had good leaders because I think we might get this podcast shut down immediately. So uh, let, let's let's move swiftly on on that one. Uh, but yeah, certainly as I say, um, you know. He, he, Ill-advised, I think, is probably the best word to describe. Well, to keep his job, I think uh, that's all I will say on the matter. Yeah, I think it, in, if it was a Premier League club, I think he'd be gone. I think that the spotlight would have he'd be gone. You know, if if, if Mourinho or Sam Allardyce came out of that, he'd be out. But uh, I think maybe the less less scrutiny, a bit more forgiving. You know, and people do make comments sometimes they 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 regret, and it's fair enough. But um, certainly, he did upset a lot of people. So we're going to talk about a player in particular very soon who's moved from Norway to Sweden. Before then, just just caught my eye, and I feel like we, they deserve an, a mention on this podcast um, uh, continually. Really, after they had a great last uh, season, Elfsborg. Now they have pocketed one point three million according to transfer market already this window. Is that 
do you think they they kind of cashed in whilst their stock's high, or was it kind of unavoidable that some of their players would uh, leave? Elfsborg? Yeah. Yeah, they've they've had a few leave. Uh, Remy Kyber's gone to Hirenveen for £450,000. Um, you know, I know that Dutch clubs have been monitoring Osvensel for quite a while. Um, a big, big transfer as well out, which we may talk about quickly, is uh, Paulos Abraham, who left Oikor. He's gone to the Netherlands as well. I think that's the biggest departure probably of of, um, of this window so far. Gone to Groningen. Um, big loss, really. 18-year-old. I really, really like him, and it's a shame that we won't get to see him, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, Elfsborg are one of those teams. I mean, they're going to be they're going to be in Europe, so you know they've got something to prepare for. But uh, yeah, they they you know it's always the way, isn't it, Steve? They're going to cash in. They've made about one one point two million pounds from their transfers, which is is always a nice bit of income, especially uh, with the lack of fans. Um, Gustav Henriksen's gone to Wolfsburger in in Austria, and Sivert Heldner Nielsen has gone to to Belgium. So you know, I know a few. Belgian and Austrian podcasts who may be tapping us up for for uh, opinions on those two, um, but yeah, I think I'll be honest. I don't I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they keep. I mean, they're relatively decent players, but I don't think they're essential to what they're trying to do at Elfsborg. So I, I do think they can recover and, and, and be okay. So that's good money. One point three million out of those. Yeah, I think I think Kaib is the one I would look at and say, you know, he was a, he was a decent player, especially going forward. He's got a bit about him uh, in both boxes. He can get him down the pitch. I quite liked him, so I think he he is. Um, I'm not surprised to see him end up in an Eredivisie. But uh, to be honest, I think Elfsborg will will recover from that. And uh, as I mentioned, they brought in one or two exciting players from the from the lower leagues that you know I'm I'm interested to see how they get on. And they've also brought a lad called Andre Rummer from uh, Randers, so uh, he's a midfielder. We'll see see how he get how he gets on. So we've got one sort of big um, talking point before we finish the episode, and I think we're going to be talking about. This club throughout the whole season, really, we norshipping. They seem to be an adventure upon themselves uh, in these these days, Jonathan. And we've got issues off the field still, but also some interesting signings that they've they've brought in. Yeah, and they played a game, um, a preseason game uh, against Elfsborg actually, and in the last sort of twenty four or forty eight hours, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it was a three three draw. And uh, a lot of goals, and there's a, a player that you know any listener of this podcast for the last two or three years will have heard us talking about quite a bit. Uh, and a player I know you like for sure, even his name is Samuel Eric Benro. He has crossed the divide, he has left Norway and he hopped over to Sweden, which is I'm happy to, to, to report on because it means we can still watch him and talk about him. He's had quite a few injuries, hasn't he? But uh, he's, he's popped up at Nor Shopping, he's their big new signing. Uh, they've lost a lot of players, Nor Shopping, and uh, it's been a a real winter of discontent, a lot of upheaval. Um, you know, they, they they really are probably the most turbulent team in the league at this moment in time. But they've got a new manager, Rickard Norling, of course, AIK, won the league with a famous defensive record. Um, quite a coup to get him, I think, uh, to, you know, to the club. Um, you know, he said that, you know, we, we he was happy with the game that they played against Elfsborg. He said, we're getting stronger and stronger. Um, Alec Benro was on the score sheet. Uh, Jonathan Levi as well, and uh, yeah, the, one of the biggest sort of pieces of news um, in this past week or so from them is that their chairman Peter Hunt has has, has left the club. So, um, if, if you know the backstory of that, we talked about it at the back end of last season. But the backstory there was he was really um, there was a lot of people just well, to be honest, it was a complete mess behind the scenes. People like arguing and infighting, catfighting, and and, and a lot of discontent um, at the club at boardroom level. A lot of people at the club resigned have resigned or left um different staff members people in different positions uh, and uh players as well and uh, it's led to the departure of their chairman so you know it's a chance maybe for a fresh opportunity fresh start at north Wing this season under a new manager a really highly rated manager norling I, I like him a lot i think he's got bright ideas i think he's a popular coach so can he go in at north shopping and, and have a similar impact that he did at oyekor we'll, we'll, we will see but added benro i think is a good signing if they can keep him fit, yeah, he's the sort of player you watch him and you can almost fall in love with him because he plays in such a way that uh, it's fantastic to watch. I don't know whether Norland's going to play that same system he did at AE Core here in Norshipping because otherwise, if he does that, then adding Benrith basically give me like a a wide midfielder, sort of wing back almost. Or is he doing a different system? Adding Benrith is a winger, in my opinion. He, he needs to be sort of given a license to 
do what he wants in a way. I don't know whether Norling's that sort of manager. Maybe he can get the best out of him, but I mean, keep him fit. He has got star talent for sure. Um, and yeah, some interesting sort of ins and outs there. He, uh, Isaac Pettersson, I know you highly rated that goalkeeper. He's um, he moved to Toulouse. I honestly think that's a strange transfer. Knowing Toulouse, I, I said this on Twitter that um, they've already Toulouse's goalkeeping situation was brilliant. They didn't need him. He's not even the number one in Toulouse, um, but it's a big loss for North Spring, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I guess it means he's got nothing to lose. <laughs> but uh, but um, Tish. But moving on, yeah, swiftly, um, they've replaced him with Oscar Janssen, who was the best goalkeeper in the, in the league last season at, at Oribro. Um, he's 30 years old, so he's got a, a big move, I think, for a, you know from a career point of view. Uh, it's a bit of a step up from Oribro to North Shopping, probably, um, in terms of reputation of the club and it, probably the expectations of the club. Um, North Shopping also brought in Victor Agardius from, from Mialbi. And there's also brought in one or two others, you know, from, um, from Reykjavik and Odenza. So, you know, we'll talk about them maybe in, in weeks to come. But they've lost Pettersson, as you mentioned there, and he was a top top keeper for them. They've lost Linus Hellenius, um, didn't really, you know, didn't really get in, into the team too much. Um, they've lost Lars Gerson, who's gone to Spain. They've lost Philip Dargestal, who I think they will miss. Uh, finally got his big move, and he's moved to to Russia with Kimki. I, I like him a lot, and I think that is a bit of a miss there at the back. Um, Andreas Blomqvist as well has gone to Mialbi. So yeah, it's, it's uh, Eric Smith is, is also, uh, I think he's left. So. Uh, like you say, a lot of upheaval at annual shopping, and it's going to be up to um, to uh, Norling to kind of try and mould a new team together and blend it all together. And I think I think Janssen to Pettersson is a bit of a, a, a marginal step down. I, th- I think I think Pettersson I rate a bit higher, but Janssen just had a really really good season last year. Um, talked about him on our team of the season. He was in our combined team of the year, and we talked about the you know his his. Um, coming out from the back, his proactive sort of goalkeeping, rushing out and the amount of saves he made. So he'll hope at 30 years old that he can sort of continue his, his trajectory and fit into his new environment. One team I wanted to just briefly touch on before we wrap up is obviously the champions, um, Malmo, and they haven't bought anyone yet. So that's one to keep an eye on. But it looks like they've gone for a few sort of um, academy players. They've had a couple of academy players feature in their early pre-season friendlies and they've been looking pretty good. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on them. But um the bulk of their transfer activity has been promoting four players from their under-19s. So um, interesting one to see where that goes. You know, they, they've lost one or two players. Kisa Tellin has, um, has obviously left now. Um, he was on loan and, and Berang Safari has, has left as well. But no real big moves yet for, for Malmo. So we'll keep, a, keep an eye on that one. I thought you said kinky when regarding Dagestel's uh, departure. I had to look again, but of course there's a club in Russia called Kim Key, isn't they? So uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, you just calm down there, Steve. <laughs> I got excited for a minute. <laughs> and then the other, yeah, before we wrap up, obviously the other big team uh, that we should just briefly touch on is Hammerby. They, you know, as I said, Astrid Silmani, we talked about him. Um, they've also brought in a young Nigerian, Olatomi Olanian. They, they always seem to bring in a, uh, at least one player a season from Nigeria. Uh, and they've also got a player from Brand, John Goodney Fjolison. Uh, so they're looking to regenerate a little bit as well. And I don't know what your thoughts are on him very quickly before we Cam as well of Hammerby, a speedster from MLS. He's a really quick player, David Akam. So he um he he's gonna be he, he's he's not always got the great best finish on him. In terms of Fjolson, um yeah, solid, solid sort of centre back. Hammerby, there's always loads of ins and outs of Hammerby every single season. It's crazy. Just looking at their list. Yeah, they're very, very. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't rest on the laurels at all. <sighs> willing and dealing. And then the one, I think probably if I was going to mention one other transfer of note to certainly, I think Palos Abraham is the biggest loss to the league in terms of um, just excitement and someone you want to watch. A bit of an interesting quirk, Steve. He played thirty odd games in Sweden and never played in front of fans. Uh, for Bolland Poikina and then obviously for AIK and he's now left the league and never played a game in front of fans wow. which is um, quite sad really isn't it sign of the times but uh, the other player that I think will be missed big time from the league is Georgi Karishvili now he's moved from EFK Jotobog to Ferenc Foros as well he's moved to Hungary to join your man over there Wingo and he'll be a big loss to the league and a big loss to EFK as well because he was a, a really lovely playmaker to watch on his day Have Kalmar got the Brazilian yet? You know what? I looked. I looked out for it. Not yet. Not yet. So uh, you know that you know the season's not started yet because they haven't 
You know, you know it's early pre-season because they haven't brought in a random Brazilian. In fact, so. they've only brought in Swedes and one Norwegian. That's all. <laughs> so they, maybe stick, maybe the, the the new strategy might be might help them out, Kalmar. So uh, all I say is watch this space. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it for this episode. That's all we got time for. But it's it's been good to, to be back, my friend. Yeah, great to uh, see you again. Don't forget, guys, this season we're going to have a bit of an emphasis on Patreon. Uh, so patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. I'd love to hear what you want us to feature on Patreon because we're going to have a bit of uh, bonus content this season. I know we've said that in the past, but I, I mean it now. Uh, we've had a few back behind-the-scenes conversations about what we can do with Patreon this year, so looking to make full use of that. And we'll have a few other announcements maybe to come in the coming weeks. Um, we've been offered a fair few sponsorship deals and things like that, which we're reviewing. But uh, in the meantime... The podcast will always, of course, remain free. But if you want to support us with a, a beer or, you know, the price of a couple of quid a month or whatever, uh, get on Patreon and you'll get some access to exclusive bonus content. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. And uh, we will be back to dissect the Milder Hoffenheim game, I guess, in the coming days and weeks, won't we, Steve? Yeah, I say, I think we're hoping to be, I said at the start of this episode, we're hoping to be a bit more consistent and uh, regular in terms of our... Uh, episode and, and days this year uh well hopefully we'll be back after the first leg for sure but uh yeah from this edition i'll i'll say goodbye uh take care everyone where can you find us on the socials uh john yeah twitter at naughty Footpod. uh you can find your your good self uh, at meatman soccer uh, steve wiss and you can find me jonathan Faduba at jf football f-u-t-b-o-l and uh, always happy to answer any questions on, on uh, Sweden if you if you have any or if you want to get in touch. So, um, yes, we will see you soon, and I hope you've enjoyed our triumphant return for 2021.